0: Let's continue in our worship with the Word of God and the Sermon. Would you please turn with me to James chapter 2, James chapter 2. Today's sermon's text is taken from James chapter 2, verse 14 to 26. Verse 14 to 26. Please turn your Bible, right? Children, if you have a Bible, it's good to turn to that, right? And keep your... Bookmark over there, and those for you at home, right? Especially, you have the privilege to open your Bible as the Word of God is read. And we come in reverence and awe to our Living God with His Word. James chapter 2, verse 14, and I read What good it is, my brothers, if someone says he has faith. But does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one who says to them, "Go in peace, be warmed and filled," without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But some will say. You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the, de- even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? You see, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works, when she received the messengers and the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from work is dead. This is the Word of God that's come before Him to ask for His grace, to listen to the sermon. Let's pray. O dear Heavenly God, indeed, You are far, yet You are so close to us. Lord, You are not a dead God, but a living God. And You want us to live well on earth as it is in heaven. And so Lord, help us in our reluctance to come to you even during the week. Right now, with your presence and with all who are in your presence, speak your word to us in our hearts, mind and soul, that we may do your will and live. And so Lord, we depend on your gracious Your gracious act of atonement through our Lord Jesus Christ, that we may hear Your very words speak to us even as the sermon is preached. So Lord, impress upon us with Your Holy Spirit. Give us the necessary. Nourish us. Feed us. That we may grow well and live well. In Christ's name I do pray. Amen. So I suppose that all of us want to live well especially when we have faced or are right now facing a trial with great difficulty and adversity in all our lives Now in this very crucial time, a testing time as we have heard Our PM has spoken to our nation yesterday This time is a crucial time in the COVID-19 phase all of us whether christian or not believe and value living well but the question is for all of us and most of us would ask what does it take to live well now and for all the rest of our lives a clinical psychologist dr ron Brazil. Is an Irish name at the back, Breeze then uh, L, right? Brazil. The author of that take isn't enough survival skills for the 21st century. He seems to have an answer. And he published an article on an online journal quite some time ago and he wrote this. Being able to adapt well to adversity, to have resilience, be able to bounce back from difficulties Require us to have a sense of direction in our lives and a belief that we are acting in a way that is consistent with our values. I read the last line again. Require us to have a sense of direction in our lives and a belief that we are acting in a way that is consistent with our values. In other words, he supposed that part of living well Is to have resilience The ability and the capacity to recover quickly From trials, adversities and difficulties in life And he proposed that our resilience Facing the difficulties in life Is closely, very closely related to Having a sense of direction And especially, especially the ability to act on what we believe and value and there was a documentary right about Indonesia's situation the COVID-19 situation and the doctor and the nurses are having a very tough time He was interviewed with this doctor why do you carry on in spite of your exhaust life and his answer is It's not a job, it's my profession. I act on what I believe. However, act on what I believe or we believe and value life. This is not something new. This is not something discovered by man. In fact, God has graciously revealed to us more in the Bible. And most importantly, in our text, James argues that For all of us to live well, it begins with spiritual vitality Or having a living faith A living faith acts on what we believe and value Otherwise, James says it is a faith that is dead It is with this in mind that James brings into sharp contrast between a dead faith and a living faith Accordingly, the central idea for the sermon today is we must act and live out what we believe to be certain of the saving faith of Christ Now the text detailed three supporting arguments why you and I must live out what we believe to be certain and living well. The first is faith without action is not beneficial. Right? Faith without action is not beneficial. The second is faith without action is worse. And the third argument and the reason is faith with faith with action is a living faith in the positive. Right? So two negatives. His argument is a two negatives and one positive. Now let's hear James' first argument Faith without action is not beneficial From verses 14 to 18 And James begins with his argument With two questions in verse 14 So verse 14 has two parts Or rather two questions The first part of the first question In verse 14 he asks rhetorically Meaning that he already knows an answer Or in fact he's expecting an answer already So he asks what good is it, brothers and sisters? So he's talking about the entire church. Okay, what good? And he's asking, what good it is, my brothers and sisters. So he supposed that those reading the latter profess to believe Jesus as Savior and Lord. What good it is, as in how it may be beneficial, profitable, and useful. So the good here is. Beneficial, profitable, or useful And then he seeks to establish a relationship Between faith and works Or belief and actions Then he asks this, uh, no, with, this, then with the second part of the first question Or rather the second question Then he asks right, Can that faith save him? Can that faith save him? It seeks to differentiate between the common understanding of faith and that saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now, faith in those days, right, and even now, may be used in a variety of ways. One man may say, I have faith, and simply means that he believes in the general possibility of some divine means, right, supernatural stuff. Or, For some, it will mean God's existence Another may declare I have faith And that means that he believes that the one God exists And that Jesus Christ is the Son of God Well and good But neither of these affirmations of faith Is what James would describe as Saving faith The faith that brings a man into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ this saving faith of a person will also experience God's redeeming redeeming God redeeming him from the past past sins to the righteousness of his son Jesus Christ though it may not be james intentionally to specifically say here that a person may have imagined or even mistakenly right, or uh, mistaken that he has or she has a saving faith it is possible and in matthew chapter 7 right uh, later on uh, our lord jesus christ did warn to those who make a false profession of faith it is possible but It is not the point here, right? Brothers and sisters, James is saying and I urge us to reflect on the seriousness of the possibility of a false profession of faith in Christ Jesus especially when our works, actions and experiences are not consistent with what we say and what we believe To be sure, verses 15 and 16 james and i are not again trying to convince us that we are making a false profession that's not the intention when he gave the examples of paying lip service to the poor in the church rather he argues that that kind of faith is useless and dead in verse 17. it is dead in the sense that it is it does no good to bring to benefit Or vitality and life to anyone not for the self not for people around a dead faith is most impractical a dead faith is unattainable and a dead faith is not a workable belief and what is worse is that it will expose that a person may have self-deceived To having a saving faith as james argued in chapter one in few sermons ago right in fact the the whole sermon the second part of the chapter one most importantly back to our text in chapter 2 verse 18 james reviews that the useless and dead faith faith believes that comes in two different forms right when Someone may object and argue with James saying You have faith, I have works Now that may sound like what some of you say bombastic Or (laughs) philosophical smartness or cleverness Short sentences like kind of round it up all However, that points to deadness And spiritual lifelessness of such a person The first form of deadness is already mentioned That belief without action is dead Now the second form is Action without proper or the right belief Is dead as well The deadness of actions comes from the acts of indiscriminate Mercy, justice and kindness Without a right belief In the saving faith in Christ Jesus That is not a living faith But a dead belief Either forms Actions without right belief Or belief without actions Is not beneficial They do not produce living faith Because it's based on one's false belief Of brute strength That is not dependent On the saving faith In Christ Jesus In fact when there are acts of mercy and kindness without reminding ourselves that the saving faith of christ jesus is in the gospel in our lives we would inevitably elevate ourselves to be the savior to those who will reach out and help or we are trying to save ourselves by the very works to earn our salvation in that case action without the right faith is dead and in the same breath faith without action is dead and James is saying that both ways are anti-gospel or anti-gospel and is a useless faith and so he say and ask what good it is my brothers and sisters so the question, therefore, for all of us is how to avoid this useless faith, either dead belief or useless and dead actions. James says at the end of verse eighteen, "I will show you my faith by my works." In other words, he's saying that we need both faith, the right belief, and actions to go hand in hand. Our belief. Must be followed with actions, and actions must be checked with our belief, to be beneficial for living well, and thus, a living faith. My may generally ask all of us, who do you allow to check on your belief? and actions I say again and ask Who do you allow to check on both your beliefs and actions? You may say that God loves or what is worse is sometimes people just generally say God is love But you, do you also love God? What respect do you have for God on the Sabbath? And his commandments generally is are you accountable are you accountable to anyone in discipleship or are you living your life of faith truly alone then where are your works and actions of accountability to who are you accountable yourself Alone We will get back and dive deeper Into the living faith At the last section of the sermon Now let us think for a moment What we observe in real life About beliefs and actions Now most companies and organisations Have beliefs and value statements However, sadly And generally One would observe The common and consistent Denominator of failed Failing companies or lives Is that They don't do what they say They believe and value We see a lot of successful examples But how many of us Check on those that are not And why it is so Most of them Do not say and do not do what they say and what they value and believe what they value. They don't and in fact, they don't allow anyone to challenge their inconsistent (laughs) belief and actions. As a result, they affect many lives or even themselves. For example, Very simple, general example, everyday life and children, you can hear this We say we value our lives and believe that we want to live well, right? But when your daddy and mommy ask you to eat vegetables, what do you do? No, I don't want vegetables, but I want to live well But give me more candies, more donuts, right? We continuously act against what we believe We say we value good health but we eat salty and oily food, staring at the screen for a long period of indiscriminate hours at night, sleep less hours, and don't exercise, and that may cause high blood pressure. We say we value good results in our exams, but we spend countless hours distracted by friends on social media and our phones. We say we value good testimony, but we will spend hours arguing and gossiping. We say we value our spiritual life worshipping God But we would serve and spend most of our time on our idols And little time feeding on the spiritual food of God's word We then starve ourselves spiritually, malnourished And we are not impacted by our sins Or the good news of the saving faith of Christ daily We sin more and repent little, or none at all. Daily. Worst of all, and worst of all days, Saturdays will be spent to to prepare. Saturdays should be spent to prepare for Sunday worship service. But we spend our Saturdays evenings like we have no tomorrow for worship, and we're so tired on Sunday and dread ourselves to worship on Sunday services now either we are deceived or we have mistaken in what we believe and what faith means in any case we, when we don't act on what we believe we don't truly believe what we say and what we believe faith without action is not beneficial what good is it my brothers and sisters not only that James gives his second argument to support why we must act and live out what we believe to be certain of the saving faith of Christ he argues that faith without action is worse it is worse in two ways the first is is worse than the demons and the second is worse than a fool now let us first look at how faith without action is worse of living than the demons in verse 19 you believe that god is one this is a resounding of the shema of the old testament in deuteronomy 6 4 this is the shema hear o israel which is hear o church hear o israel the lord our god the Lord is one that is the Shema a prayer recited in the morning and evening services by the Jews this is supposed to be the ultimate doctrine in the Jewish faith a doctrine of belief should translate to a way of living the faith now this is supposed to express the Jewish people's sure faith in a sure faith in God and the love of God. Accordingly, James noted that the issue of the believers is not the intellectual interpretation of Deuteronomy 6.4, but is the issue of the heart of the people. Those who profess the Christian faith have seemingly disregarded living out the Shema, There was an irreverent faith It is a belief That shows a lack of respect For God And to take his wrath justice The gospel of Jesus Christ And the church Seriously Strikingly James compared the people of such faith Faith is worse off Than the demons Because even the Demons believe the Shema. In fact, they don't have to recite, it's in their being. They know that God is one, the one who created them. They believe the Shema and Shana. What is that? That is shriveled up, that is become small, that is become respectful and bowing down by the very mentioning of the one God. In other words, the demons believe the one God, the Creator, the Almighty, the Holy One and must act. They have no choice when they hear the Shema. They have no choice but to act most reverently, solemnly and respectful. In that case, when someone saying he believes God but do not act on their belief and revere Him in church, is in a worse position than the demon. In fact, the demons do more than believe a fact. They shudder. They shudder at the thought of their anti holiness. That's a stark contrast to a lot of churchgoers today. How many would revere God? How many would prepare our hearts to worship God on the weekends? especially Saturday evenings? Do we even shudder when our, when our hearts are far away from God on His birthday? Can we experience His presence and not shudder in all our worship? Now, the first way of faith without action is worse than the demons. Then verse 20 implies that the second way is worse than a fool. James asked rhetorically the someone, right, who kind of counter-argues. And James asks rhetorically, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? In other words, even a fool would know that believing something without action is questionable, impractical, and unlivable. A fool would have avoided and done away with such useless belief and an unprofitable life And a fool doesn't have to be shown That's why he asked the question A fool doesn't have to be shown That is absolutely the truth In truism, believing without action is simply useless Impractical And yet, someone would actually argue against even the fool's common sense I have faith, you have works Or you have works, I have faith In that case, James rightly calls out such a person You foolish person The phrase in Greek language has the sense that the person believes in vain Believes empty-handed Believes empty-headed It's like a coconut, right? Children, you know coconut inside the core, right? It's empty outside is quite hot, but right inside the core there's nothing no substance uh, of course there's water lah, good for drinking right we all drink coconut water eh? but absolutely nothing else inside to be sure when James argues that faith apart from works is useless he is not saying that saving faith is not based on faith alone in Christ he's arguing in the context of the people who are not bearing the fruits, the deeds, or works of their profession of faith in Christ, and I assure you, our church confesses, all right, with Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter Fourteen, the Doctrine of Saving Faith, in Section Two, and we affirms the statement. And I read, by this faith, a Christian believer to be true whatsoever is revealed in the word for the authority of God himself speaking therein Clause 1 Clause 2 And act differently upon which each particular passage therefore containeth using obedience to the commands Clause 2 basically says faith with actions Clause 3 Trembling at the threatenings. Shudder, we shudder, right, at our unholiness before God. Clause 4, and embracing the, the promises of God for this life that which is to come, which is a living faith. Clause 5, but the principal acts of saving faith are accepting, receiving, and resting upon Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by the virtue of the covenant of. Grace. These five clauses, all of this are summaries of the doctrines of saving faith in section two, from the verses of the Gospel of John, First Thessalonians, Acts, Romans, Isaiah, Hebrews and First Timothy. In summary, we must act and live up what we believe to be certain of the saving faith of Christ. Otherwise, Faith without action is worse than the demons and the fool. Accordingly then, the third underlying reason is a positive one, right? That we must act and live out what we believe. And he argues that faith with action is a living faith. And to support James' argument that faith in action is a living faith, he brings out two examples in verses 21 Now, each example involves a very important historical and biblical character. The first example is Adam, capital A, uh, no, not Adam, Abraham, capital A. And the second is Rahab, capital R, for repentance. Abraham's faith was a living faith when he acts on what he believes that God is good and righteous in fact genesis 20, 22 describes with great detail what was going on abraham wakes up early in the morning prepare all the tools to build an offering altar wakes up the boy isaac his boy isaac uh, perhaps with much trembling shudder. Right, add the breakfast together cut the woods bring the woods bundle uh, bundle uh, up the woods to get, uh, all together then carry up the woods with them walk a long journey right for three days to the mountain top a lot of effort you know to build an altar with woods then Abraham asked the son Isaac to lay on it to offer to God Abraham is trusting God to redeem the situation even till the very last second a moment just before Abraham comes down with the knife to stab Isaac to death an angel of god stopped him and that knife fell on our lord jesus christ instead and that's for another sermon for this reason james says in verse 23 and the scripture was fulfilled that says abraham believed god it was, it was counted to him as righteous now that scripture God's own words to Abraham was declared in 1st Genesis 15 before he was tested to live out his faith in in, in, in the saving faith of God in Genesis 22 so in that case right faith comes before works so James then agrees with Paul that faith alone in God saves in the same breath it was Abraham's faith leaving out and then obeying God that God saved him and delivers Isaac so then you may ask why the details in describing Abraham's faith altogether? why so much details even in James here because God wants the Jews and us to know that Abraham has a living, living faith doing the things of God in his daily worship of God he worship his God by living out on God's words daily though not perfectly accordingly, James declares Abraham is an example of leaving faith in verse 24. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, at first read, you could easily be mistaken that James is referring to faith as salvation, the saving faith in Christ Jesus. Now, in that case, uh, Luther and John Calvin when they first read this and tried to, you know, in, in Greek and tried to try to translate it into their own language, right? They all make a big hoo-ha about this Because it seems like James would be anti-grace, anti-gospel And even heretical at some point But reading this text in context In the larger picture He is saying that the works, the acts and leaving out Is the evidence and solid proof of one's belief Then the faith James is referring to Is simply one's professing of faith or belief In the Jewish sense Not salvation As in the saving faith in Christ To be sure Brother James and Apostle Paul Are not in contradiction They are not contradicting each other When Paul later wrote In stark contrast In Romans chapter 3, 28 For we hold that One is justified by faith Apart from works of the law Again One scholar comments that comments this huh he says this it is essential to remember the distinction between James and Paul's use of the words faith works and justify in these two contexts so that no insoluble contradiction emerges in other words James and Paul is not in contradiction if you read them in their context all right in that case, when you read it in the context in James James is insisting right, that belief and action or faith and works must go hand in hand For sure, by the very mentioning of Abraham's faith uh, He already acknowledges that chapter 15, uh, faith comes before works in chapter 22 right? No contradiction So James is again insisting that faith and works must go hand in hand together like I would say peanut butter sandwich alright this is very good peanut butter sandwich the thing is you cannot eat peanut butter alone and say I'm eating peanut butter sandwich right kids children you don't eat peanut butter sandwich with peanut butter alone is it and say that I'm eating peanut butter sandwich neither can you put two pieces of bread together alone and say hey look I'm eating a peanut butter sandwich without anything inside in between. Right? You can't. So, likewise, faith and works goes together. A living faith is like peanut butter sandwich. A faith with action. A belief in action. The second example of a living faith is Rahab in verse 25. And hear this out. Both Abraham and Rahab they were ancestors of Jesus Christ Their names were recorded in Jesus' family tree In the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew That was written after James Rahab was the mother of Boaz She came 10 generations after Abraham all right? And then Jesus came after Rahab 32 generations later Though she was highlighted to have the same living faith as Abraham It is absolutely eye raising to the Jews That James deliberately brought to their attention The stark contrast of the status of Abraham Rich guy, loss of influence, many ships, many things A lot, a lot of things going for him And then Rahab, she's a... Probably well to do But lowly in status Very low in status Rahab was of low status In fact, lowly status She was not a Jew She was a Canaanite A Gentile An outcast of the outcast And even lowlier. She was despised in the community As a Prostitute So you are talking about the outcast The low, the low And the low, 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 low You arrive at Rahab The prostitute And yet There are vital gospel lessons from Rahab In the lineage of Jesus That shows the very character of God Himself God is merciful to deliver God is merciful to save those with a lowly past, however low it is. God uses those with a sinful past. God redeems those with a past that the world rejects. Rahab took the challenge to act on her belief that the God of Israel is indeed the mighty deliverer, her defender, and her saviour. Accordingly, she hit the spies of Israel. Right? Remember the Jericho walls? Right? The Jericho walls that, uh, that later on Joshua brought down with the soldiers. Right? So Rahab was the one who hit the Israelites, all right, the spies, when the Canaanite soldiers were trying to search them out. And because of a bold action of faith, Joshua, as one of the spies, he was saved. He was saved to return to bring down the wall of Jericho. So Rahab had a living faith and a fallen woman from a fallen woman to a chosen woman from a bad girl to a bride from a mess to a mother from a prostitute to a progenitor. She became the ancestor of the Messiah, Savior, Jesus So, children Remember this, if you forget everything huh? Rahab, the lowly-status is the great 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 multiplied 32 generations great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus Can God then redeem you and me as well our sin If we confess our sin He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. 1 John Our shame There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 Our hopelessness Praise be to God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter Our chains Jesus replied Very truly I tell you Everyone who sins is a slave to sin Now a slave has no permanent place in the family But a son belongs to it forever So if the son sets you free You will be free indeed John chapter 8 How about our ostracization? Not one or belonging to your friend's group or social network or whatever in your jobs because you are doing the right thing of God hear this Ephesians chapter 2 consequently you are no longer foreigners or strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household Rahab's name is in Jesus' family tree He shines the living faith in Christ and you can too shine with the living faith in Christ in conclusion is this what does a living faith looks like it looks like trusting the promises of God and taking on the challenges of faith with God's providence it looks like the faith and works of Abraham trusting the promises of God Abraham was promised a son and many generations and he believed so much so that he lived not by sight of what he saw before him he lived by a given promise to him by God himself the good news is God keeps his promise to all of us in fact he keeps his promises to all of us from the scripture those who put our faith in christ jesus will have eternal life by living out the faith in obedience to his word and secondly living faith also looks like the faith and works of rahab taking on challenges of faith with god's providence our church is providence right reformed presbyterian church Taking on challenges of faith with God's providence Knowing that God is in the works Boldly acting in faith Despite and in spite The perceived great risk To personal and family lives And livelihood The good news is God redeems those with a past Now, question for all of us What is God calling you to do to live a life of faith in Christ? Can you see God's providence? The provision or even the lacking of resources in your situation As God prompting you to take the challenge of faith To change your life of dead faith to a living faith what things or livelihood or comfort or identity that you need to do away with, forgo and even miss out, like Rahab did to have a living faith both Abraham and Rahab, their living faith is a faith with action in God's divine providence his oversight his care they looked forward to and had the certainty that their Messiah Jesus birthed as their saving faith now in the same way for all of us we can look back to Jesus birth, death and resurrection to have the saving faith acting on what we believe in Christ of our Lord Saviour and then look forward to his return, for all of us, that his promises will be, refi- uh, will be fulfilled altogether in the Scripture. Now, this is the preached word of God.